Hello and welcome to the i3 podcast. My name is Wouter Klein and I'm the Director of Content for the Investment Innovation Institute. For more information about our educational forums for institutional investors, please visit our website at www.i3-invest.com. There you can also subscribe to our complimentary newsletter, i3 Insights in which we discuss investment strategy and asset allocation questions with asset owners around the world. Now, as you all know, we love our disclaimers in this industry, so here's ours. This recording is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute financial advice. Please enjoy the show. This podcast was sponsored by Federated Hermes. As such, the sponsor can make suggestions for discussion, but the final control over the content remains with the Investment Innovation Institute. Welcome to the i3 podcast. I'm here today with Caroline Cantor, who is an investment director with Federated Hermes. And today we will be looking at biodiversity. Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Now, before we dive into biodiversity, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your background? How did you get started in investing? Yeah, so I actually um, studied engineering at university. So I've always been into sort of numbers and I liked sort of project management at the time. And then I was speaking to some people that were involved in asset management and I really found it interesting that there was a career focused on on looking at companies where you you had to know what was going on in the world because obviously macro trends and things like that will really impact companies so i quite liked the idea of moving into that type of industry and then how did you get involved with the sustainable side of investing yeah so i think investors are in a quite a privileged position in the fact that we can sort of allocate capital to companies that are you know doing different business well have different business models so i think it's really a sort of an opportunity to actually focus on companies that are having a positive impact or indeed finding companies where we really think that they can change and have a, an increased impact via engaging with those companies. So I just thought, you know, I felt quite passionately that that was an interesting area for, for focusing. Yeah. Now, we're looking today to talk a little bit about biodiversity, which is a sort of a subset of sustainability issues. Why is this important to investing and how does it, how do you integrate it with, with an equity investment strategy? Yeah, I think um, biodiversity is a theme that possibly hasn't necessarily been focused on enough yet. We, uh, we've seen a lot of focus on climate change, and that has now been very much part of you know conversations that people have with companies. We're seeing far more companies with targets for carbon emissions, etc. So really, climate change has had seen a lot of focus in recent years. It's really, for us, we think that sort of biodiversity is the next key theme. It's not necessarily something that has been focused on. And yet nature is 
is critical for all of us. You know, it's the the air we breathe, the the water we drink and food. We very much rely on good ecosystems and also medicines very much rely on good biodiversity. So we think, you know, as we see more policies and regulations coming out, they they will be starting to focus more on protecting biodiversity. So that's why we think it's sort of an interesting theme for for focusing investing on. So is it sort of anticipating policies that might come out in regulations? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it. Well, that's that's p- very much part of it. So if you can find companies that are providing solutions, you know, they are already trying to to focus on areas where they can sort of restore or even protect biodiversity in certain areas. So those are companies that should have you know tailwinds behind them as you do get more regulation. You'd also see sort of companies that are already investing in their supply chain so really trying to make sure that there's resiliency there um because they're already taking into consideration you know the risks that are out there you know if biodiversity does degrade any further then what's that going to do to their supply chains we think that companies don't necessarily at the moment really factor that in they might sort of factor in environmental trends but not necessarily properly biodiversity yeah. So how are we doing on biodiversity? Um, because I was thinking particularly on, you know, uh, a couple of years back, there was a lot of focus on the fires in the Amazon rainforest and it was basically land clearing by farmers. Uh, it seemed that the, the president, uh, Bolsonaro, didn't really uh, care much about that. It makes you sort of a little bit gloomy about <laughs> the prospects of that. So what is sort of the, the, the picture on biodiversity? I think it's quite a worrying picture. I guess, you know, I've already mentioned climate change. Climate change and biodiversity are very much inextricably linked because the reality is you need, you know, rainforests and you need forests in general. You need peatlands to try and absorb some of the the emissions that are out there. So, you know, biodiversity can help counteract climate change. But equally, climate change is one of the key causes of uh, or key threats to biodiversity because as you said you know things like flooding and fires are very much putting species at risk so it is a case that you know we are we've got ourselves into a situation where we have changed you know human activity has changed more than 75% of land use you know these are sort of really big statistics that are showing how much we have possibly well, mainly negatively impacted biodiversity out there. One in five spe- uh, plant species is now currently under threat of extinction. And we very much rely on sort of plants for, as I, as I mentioned, things like sort of reducing carbon in, in the atmosphere, but also, you know, in things like food and making sure that soils remain fertile, which is extremely important for us. So I think that there's, you know, there definitely needs to be more of a focus on this. And we have got ourselves into a situation where, you know, biodiversity has really come under threat. And now is the time to start acting around that. So you mentioned climate change a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, How much of an overlap is there between biodiversity and potential uh, um, strategies that investors might have in place that tackle with climate change and also the broader energy transition to to renewable energy 
Yeah, so I would say one of the the key areas to sort of combat climate change is around the reduction in use of fossil fuels, um, very much decarbonisation trend. Um, so, you know, within our strategy, one of the key threats that we're looking at is climate change. So only sort of around uh, I think it's less than 12% of the portfolio is really focused on what we would we would you know really focus on as climate change names so we do have some um clean energy within that we think it's very important to invest in clean energy because you know if you believe decarbonization has to happen then we need to get away from the reliance we have on on fossil fuels for energy production so that's anything from you know wind technology and and solar etc so that is one aspect but there's definitely other areas within this you know our strategy focused on biodiversity that i think isn't just focused around climate change yeah so let's delve a little bit deeper into biodiversity um i believe federated hermes has identified six themes uh, that that relate to bi- biodiversity so where do these themes come from and, and what are they the best way to start is really seeing what are the key threats to biodiversity and making those into into themes within the fund so that we can look for companies that are helping to um, change these or or really try and reduce the, the negative impacts that are happening from these threats. So the six themes are land pollution, marine pollution and exploitation, sustainable living, climate change, as I mentioned before, farming, which is really a key theme because farming is, you know, one of the the key reasons why we have been changing land use over time because we've, you know, it's it's a lot of the the, um, arable and, and also animal farming that is going on. And also deforestation is our final theme. So biodiversity, it, it looks partly at, at pollution, partly at climate change. But if you look at it as a topic from an investment point of view, it can be a little bit niche. And I think particularly uh, from the context of an Australian asset owner or a large pension fund that has multiple asset classes, where does this sort of fit in? And is it not too small for, for pension funds? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that you can look at this theme from different perspectives. I mean, firstly, there are um, estimates that say more than 50% of global GDP. So most of the, the companies out there have some moderate or high dependency on biodiversity. So that's things like throughout their, their supply chain, there might be areas where they really rely on good ecosystems. And so I think in general, we should be making sure that all companies that have some, you know, reliance on biodiversity really understand that reliance and are factoring that in as a risk to their their ongoing business model. And so they should be sort of thinking about where can they really be improving their supply chains or helping to reduce any negative impacts they're having, as well as thinking, you know, that there could be companies out there that can help to provide solutions. I think from from our perspective, 
there is this opportunity to invest in companies that are are sort of at the forefront, so leading their industries that should benefit from tailwinds in this space, and also those solutions providers that mean there is a real opportunity from a financial perspective as well to invest in in these types of businesses. And when we went away and actually looked at these themes, we found that there was quite a lot of industry um, diversification that we could find with companies that were exposed to this. So actually, when we were putting our portfolio together, you know, it is very much a, a high conviction concentrated strategy, but it has got exposure to a lot of different types of industries. So therefore, you know, from a client perspective, we see it as either, you know, it's a a one strategy that they can put alongside other strategies so they know there is a strategy within their their portfolios where they are having a positive impact and that is also you know having some measurable measurable good outcomes towards that but as well we think it's important to be engaging with their wider list of investee companies so there is quite a bit of uh, diversification across the sectors um do they link back to particular themes so of the six themes, there was uh, pollution came back as sort of a big issue. Uh, does that tend to be more in like, you know, energy or certain sectors? Yeah, so when we came up with our themes, we then also came up with sort of um, the verticals or sub-verticals to those themes. So when, for example, we were looking at land pollution, we were looking at companies within waste management sector um, and also plastic recycling, for example, And, you know, as well as that, you're looking at hazardous um, chemical management, for example. And when we're looking at these industry verticals, we were thinking, okay, well, actually, if you look at companies exposed to waste management, there is a lot that do landfilling. Well, from our perspective, we couldn't invest in a company that's doing landfilling because you know, there are big issues around that with particularly plastics within landfills that either mean you have leaching of of negative chemicals into the soil, which means that the soil becomes less fertile. That's very negative. You also have a lot of plastic escaping from landfill into nature. So either into water systems or um, into into land. And I mean, there are horrible statistics now. We've recently seen studies that say there are microplastics found in human blood, yeah, um, which is is really worrying. And they're also saying that, you know, the average person now unknowingly consumes the equivalent of a credit card in plastic on a weekly basis. So these are, you know, facts that really mean we need to be doing some action around this. Um, but it's interesting to see these different industry verticals within a different, a, a particular theme, and we have multiple for for each of our themes. So a credit card a week in plastic—that that seems like a lot of plastic. Yeah, it's really quite a, a scary statistic. And I, I mean, when we've been studying this um, well, biodiversity theme. We've found quite a lot of these that are really worrying, um, but it means that clearly there needs to be action taken. Yeah, yeah. 
So I understand that uh, Federated Hermes works together with the Natural History Museum in London. Where do they come into play? Yeah, so that's a a really exciting partnership that we have there. Um, It actually came about because Ingrid Kukuyan, who is our lead portfolio manager on on this strategy, alongside our lead engager, uh, Sonia Lichtman, um, were presenting at COP26 in Glasgow. Um, And they were presenting alongside one of the directors from the Natural History Museum. And when they were having conversations after that, you know, he was very impressed at the level of detail we had gone into in in devising this strategy. And we very much were, when we were discussing it, it was the fact that we're both trying to, you know, promote the protection of biodiversity. They've done a lot of research into this area and have a lot of expertise. They're also, you know, a, a, a charitable foundation trying to support the um, the backing of biodiversity and really trying to make sure that we are trying to restore it as well. So very much in in line with our hopes for this strategy that we can support biodiversity by putting capital into businesses that are helping to either reduce the degradation or promote um, restoration of biodiversity. Yeah, and the museum has also developed a index, the Biodiversity Intactness Index. Um, is that helping you sort of assess as well at a company level uh, how well people are doing? Yeah, so it's oh, the largest study in terms of biodiversity over the years that they have completed. And it is sort of an open source um, data that they they have there, but also they have a number well hundreds of scientists that are working on this type of data. Um, So it's been really great discussing it with these scientists to see, you know, how they utilize the data to think about scenarios. So if you were to put in different policies in place, you know, how that could affect in the future um, possible sort of biodiversity in different areas. So we are um, hoping that we can work alongside them to utilize their data to test some of our biodiversity theses with with the companies and we already have done that so when we've been discussing our themes they very their their data very much supports us focusing on these six themes you know when we were saying farming is one of the the key issues they very much agreed with that and how and we were discussing sort of how you could look at companies in that area Um, and even on an individual stock basis when we've been discussing stocks and and why we think they're positive for biodiversity you know it's great to have some data there that can help back up our, our thesis on that so that's very positive yeah. So when you look at companies and, and how well they do on biodiversity, and I'm sort of thinking on about ESG strategies where sometimes people say they don't have to be like best in class, but they have to show an upwards trajectory. They have to basically show that they've been thinking about it and improving a lot. Does that work similarly with this, with the biodiversity theme? Yes, I think it does. I mean, we I would say there's almost like three types of businesses that we are focusing on in this strategy. There's there's some that are the best in class in their industries. They are really sort of market leading. They've already invested a lot in their supply chains. Um they've also sometimes got targets for 
you know, trying to reduce any negative impacts, um, but also really having positive impacts towards biodiversity. So those are sort of one type of, of business. There's also, as I said, you know, those companies that the whole company is focused on solutions. So they have really come up with projects that could help towards biodiversity. So things like vertical farming, for example, or in the case of of Natura, who are a um, producer of beauty products. So they have multiple different brands underneath them. And they actually source a lot of their um, raw materials from indigenous people within the Amazon. So that's very much supportive and protecting many hectares of, of rainforest there. So that's very important. So it's companies like that that are having a, a significant positive impact and providing solutions. But then there are also sort of companies that we have found that are having, you know, very positive impact towards biodiversity, but haven't necessarily realized that part of their business has that significant positive impact. So they're not necessarily focusing on those areas quite yet. So for those companies, we want to be investing in them, you know, speaking and engaging with the companies and telling them, you know, how impactful we find those parts of the business and trying to help them really engage with the market, tell the market the good that they're doing and also try and focus them on those parts of the business and the growth that is like the opportunities for growth that they have there. Yeah. And I, I read somewhere as well that you guys look at uh, something that's called nature capital in relation to biodiversity. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Is that, that sort of what you described as that basically have a driver for, for, uh, for good in biodiversity, but maybe they're not aware of it and they can develop that as a, as a, a form of value? Yeah, I think when we're talking about sort of natural capital, we are very much thinking about the the opportunity within and the need for sort of investment in in biodiversity or in nature as a whole. So there are, you know, statistics like um estimates that 120 to 145 trillion dollars per annum is the the value of um ecosystems and the services that they provide. So it's very much sort of natural capital in the sense that there is, you know, a lot of important um, capital that comes out of nature. So things like, you know, water that we we drink, etc., medicines that come from, from nature, and things that rely on good ecosystems. So it's about sort of trying to focus on, you know, we need nature to provide positive a good economy so it's about sort of actually investing on that yeah you mentioned that uh, uh, one of the people in the team is looking at engagement and and so engagement tends to be an important part of, of, of ESG more broadly but I can imagine that this it's a very sort of uh, specified knowledge but how, how do you engage with a company on biodiversity issues because it's not that easy to change a company if they're not doing well on that aspect. Yeah, definitely a good question again. I think sort of from a, a first standpoint, we would say a lot of companies, as, as I mentioned earlier, haven't necessarily thought about how much they are reliant on nature and the risks that are around that. So 
from a, a first engagement point, we would be engaging with companies to say, you know, do you really know your reliance on on nature um, within your supply chains? Do you really understand the impacts that your your business is having on on biodiversity? So things like, you know, the waste pro- that they produce or um, the the types of energy they're using in their operations, etc. So it's really about trying to sort of first speak to companies and think, do you really understand your your risks from it or your reliance on it and also your your impacts on it, whether they're positive or negative? Um, we also want to sort of think about how companies can actually report on this as a topic as well. And like I said, for for this particular strategy, we want to try and sort of encourage companies to focus on on solutions and try and um, actually sort of promote them as the the opportunities that they provide for biodiversity. So as we see tailwinds to this, so as we see more policies and regulations around it, companies that are providing these solutions should be known for doing these these positive things and should benefit from from that trend. Yeah. So how does that sort of work in practice? Do you go to a company and and talk about this topic specifically, or is it part of a broader ESG engagement uh, project with with, uh, separate companies? Yeah, so at Federated Hermes, we are um, privileged to have our um, EOS team, which are our engagement services team, where we have um, 30 or more than 30 engagers that work for that team. And they actually went away and sort of spoke to a lot of our our underlying clients as well as doing their own research and thought that biodiversity was a topic that it needs to be a priority for engaging with the companies we are are helping our underlying clients to engage with as well as our own sort of investment funds. For this particular strategy, um, we also have a sort of lead engager that will sit within the investment team but in general, so from both sides, not only do we want to be engaging with, you know, the the companies we're holding in this strategy, which are generally going to be best in class or, you know, very much having a positive impact already, but it's, you know, trying to improve that and make sure that they have it sort of clearly assessed within their, their businesses. But we also think it's very important to be engaging with some of the, the biggest polluters, some of the the most negatively impacting sectors um, out there. And so from our EOS colleagues very much started, I think, with um, focusing on consumer staples because they are some of the companies that are um, responsible for a lot of the plastic pollution out there. So we think that it's very important that we start with um, engaging with those types of businesses as well. And when you know, you know, other solutions to sort of, for example, plastic recycling, you can actually engage with some of those bigger emitters and and suggest opportunities for for solving those. Yeah. So uh, I've made a couple of references to to ESG and how it sits within the broader uh, approach to that. But um, of course, a lot of investors are also looking at the sustainable development goals of the, the UN, or at least UN endorsed goals. How do they sort of uh, fit in with that? Do they have an overlap with a number of them or is it just one of them? How does that work? 
Yes. So they definitely um, overlap with the goals or um, when we were going through our themes and looking at the subverticals, for each of those, we actually mapped them to relevant SGG goals. Um, so not just the the top level 1 to 17 goals, but also actually looking at the underlying targets. So, I mean, examples of this would be our um, our broad sort of climate change theme would map to um, SDGs 7, 9 and 13. 13 is obviously the climate change goal, but it also looks at things like, as we mentioned earlier, um, sustainable energy sources and, and really development there. But then also within, for example, it, when we look at farming, you can look at things like meat alternatives and whether that actually maps to um, an underlying target of SGG 6.4, for example. So do you have to be a vegan to be in this strategy? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question. So we actually do also invest in a couple of companies that are helping to um, like reduce, for example, emissions from animal farming. So, um, you know, we invest in a company that um, provide nutrients for um, cows, for example, uh, that have been proven to help reduce the emissions from those those cows by eating these nutrients. For some clients, they are arguing, well, should you actually be exposed at all to animal farming because it is such a, a negative aspect to biodiversity? But from our perspective, we don't see that we're suddenly going to see no people eating eating meat. You know, obviously, we would promote that it's better if people can have as much of a plant-based diet as they can. And we will look at some of the, the key uh, meat alternatives producers. But, you know, when we've been looking at some of those in the market, we also have to be very cognizant around valuations. And we don't want to overpay for a company just because it is providing a solution there. It has to have true fundamental sort of upside case from their valuation perspective, as well as um, from a biodiversity perspective. So we want to find companies as I said, that can have significant impact. So if they can have positive impact in a negative impact industry, then, you know, we think that as long as that impact is significant and that company has other opportunities as well, then they're worth investing in. Yeah. So does this um, strategy have any particular uh, uh, style bias? Um, You mentioned it still has to make sense from an investment perspective. It has to have the underlying value. But would you see this more as a a growth style investing uh, since it sort of plays on climate change and sort of looking a little bit into the future uh, of how policies might change? Yeah, you could definitely argue that some of those companies would be exposed to sort of growth trends. Um, But actually, when we were looking at at building out this portfolio, we were, as I said, quite pleased at the industry um, diversification in the strategy. And we found that actually looking at things like the Morningstar style chart, it was really showing up more as sort of core to growth rather than all out growth in comparison to a lot of other strategies in the sustainable space. So we were quite pleased at the way um, it was actually looking in comparison to some of those other funds. And also the multiples that we've seen, um, like the PE multiples, for example, of a lot of the companies held were 
lower than those from other um, impact strategies. So we we were quite impressed at, at seeing how that is different from other other strategies in, in this area. Yeah. So you mentioned that it's diversified across sectors, but I also saw that in one of the, the papers, it, it talks about the regions and it, it, it gave a few statistics around the number of countries that are uh, most impacted uh, or have the most impact on biodiversity. And it mentioned there that there's 17 countries that account for 70% of biodiversity, but only for 10% of the land. Does that make it more difficult to get a proper diversification across regions? I think the interesting thing is that you're not necessarily investing in just companies in those regions. You're looking at for companies, you know, global companies that are having an impact throughout regions. So while you are, you know, there are areas of high biodiversity that need a lot of work to protect that um, at the current levels. We also want to sort of think about where you can help to restore biodiversity in regions where you know biodiversity has been reduced through human actions. So really from a region perspective, where we found the most opportunities, you know, has been in European domiciled companies and also American domiciled companies. But we've also got exposure to a, a Brazilian company, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and we are looking at sort of other companies outside of, of these areas. But I think that in the past, like in um, our impact strategy, we found that a lot of European companies have been at the forefront of ensuring good ESG practices or very much factoring in um, environmental, social and governance factors and have been leading in terms of providing solutions. That could also be because there's been a lot more regulation come in in, in Europe as well. Um, but we are starting to see that more globally with with initiatives coming out of, of global initiatives like the COP26, for example. So you talk to a lot of clients and potential clients. Um, do you find that this is on their radar? And I sort of think, you know, we're, we're just coming more or less out of a pandemic. We have a war in Europe. Um, in Australia, you got regulatory issues with your future, your super. And then there's the, the, the move to net zero. Mm -hmm. um, how do people respond when you talk to them about biodiversity? Yeah, I think we've been really overwhelmed by the positive um, interests we've had in this strategy because I think that everyone's thinking, oh, actually, maybe this is the, the next theme that needs focus and, and will be focused on by sort of global leaders and when they're thinking about where we need to be acting next. So we have, I mean, we've had particular interest from some areas of the world like Latin America, for example, where maybe they are seeing more degradation of biodiversity and, and realize how much it is important that they protect it in their areas. So we've seen particular interest from from those um, from investors there. We've also sort of been talking to clients about, you know, again, how they can add this into their portfolios. Like, how can they be thinking about it? Should they be engaging with their wider um, their wider investee holdings, or should they be actually using this as like a satellite investment where they can have a positive impact? Yeah. So you mentioned that. Some of your colleagues presented at COP26 in, in Glasgow. And when I read about it, I think there seemed to be a little bit of 
disappointment with the overall achievements there. But I think what I remember as well is that one of the things that I did actually uh, uh, made some progress on is, is commitments to, to curb deforestation. What are sort of some of the takeaways that that you had from from Glasgow in in terms of biodiversity? Yeah, I think um, I I actually have a colleague that that said I think which I think is quite true. He sort of said, "You either take a glass half full or glass half empty approach to you know the outcomes that have come from that." And that was a positive aspect that people were realizing that deforestation needs to have a, a clear focus in the future. And there were lots of targets that were, were, were discussed there around deforestation. So hopefully there will be more of a global commitment to try and stop deforestation. Um, and that, as I mentioned before, is very important for both climate change and also protecting biodiversity. So that's a key outcome. In general, they were discussing more that there needs to be a focus on biodiversity. Um, but I don't think there were sort of some specific outcomes that came around that. I think hopefully we will get further insights into what they can do um, at COP15 this year that will focus more on biodiversity. And actually our, our lead engager, uh, Sonia Lichtman, was helping to um, provide some some insights into what we could be focusing on from a financial perspective as well um, at a recent discussion in, in Switzerland around that. Yeah. Are there any specific companies in the portfolio that address uh, deforestation? Or? Yes. So actually, um, we have various different in industry verticals within our deforestation theme, one of which is sustainable timber operations. So that's looking for companies who are helping to reutilize, you know, timber or coming up with different solutions to reduce the amount of new timber that needs to be cut down um, to produce these solutions. So one example of that in the strategy is brambles. So they actually produce um, pallets or use pallets and actually pool logistics. And the idea behind that is that they can reduce the amount of, of new timber that is needed to produce brand new pallets for, for people to, to move around their, their produce. And that is a really leading um, company in that area. And we think, you know, as more companies realize that they need to reduce their negative impact, they will go to more pooled logistics. So Brambles has an opportunity to grow. Another example within the deforestation theme would be a company that we own that actually um, provide decking materials. And what they have done is tried to actually elongate the the lifespan of decking so that you have to you don't have to cut down as much um, wood to utilize in that and they are doing it by recycling some plastics into their products so that they last much longer and they have become one of the largest um, global recyclers of polyethylene so that's also the types of company that you could invest in to help reduce deforestation. Good to hear there's an Australian company as well in the portfolio there with Brembles. Well Caroline, thank you very much for, for your time. It was great uh, talking to you about this uh, very interesting topic. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's been good discussing it. Thank you for listening to the i3 podcast. For more information, please visit www.i3-invest.com. Thank you very much.
Thank mm-hmm. you.